Hi, everyone. Dean Chris back in the studio this week for this week's podcast. We're going to be talking about a book that I'm releasing called Essential Leadership Lessons from the Thin Blue Line. And you know, I've rewritten Leadership Lessons, and this is a book about the lessons that I've learned over the last five years since I wrote that book. And I hope you're going to be excited about those new lessons. It's organized in a different way where we talk about leading yourself, leading others, and leading your organization. And I think you're going to find this episode in our podcast really informational. And I think the book, you're really going to enjoy the book. So as we always say, sit back, turn up the volume, you're ready to change your life. Hi, I'm Dean Chris. Welcome to Straight Talk on Leadership. This is what we'd like to say is the no BS zone, where we give you leadership tips, ideas, and practical suggestions to help you become a top leadership performer. Our goal is simple, help you become the best version of yourself and reach your highest potential as a leader. So sit back, turn up the volume, be ready to change your life. Hey everybody, Dean Chris back in the studio this week. Hey, 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 folks, 2020 is out of the way and we're full swing into 2021. I'm going to be talking about this week's podcast. I'm going to be talking about the new release of our book called The Essential Leadership Lessons from the Thin Blue Line. And I'm going to be joined by our business development coordinator, Kelly Corbin. She's going to have a conversation with me about the book and we're going to give you some highlights and some pointers out of the book. We're going to talk about why I rewrote the book, things we've put in the book differently. And this is really an essentially different book. Now, some of the stories in the book are the same. Some of those are written exactly like they were in the last book, but I've added some really important stuff to about every chapter. So I want you to really think about that. In this week's podcast, we're going to talk about how the book's different. We're going to talk about the new lessons that you can learn And so I hope you're going to enjoy it. So I'm being joined now by the business development coordinator, Kelly. Kelly, good to see you this week. Thanks for being on here with us. It's a pleasure, Dean. Thank you so much. And, you know, we got a lot of stuff going on. I mean, we got classes scheduled. Our schedule (laughs) is just so packed and busy. And uh, I guess we're all collectively holding our breath here with the inauguration and the new direction of the country, not in a bad way, good way, whatever. I'm not waxing political. You know, folks, politics are as they are. But what I'm saying is we're all just kind of waiting to see what this virus is going to do. And it's really put us all in a holding pattern for a number of months. Uh, Even now, we're almost getting into a year. So it's kind of crazy. But we've got a lot of stuff scheduled out there. we got the release of the book coming out January 26th. We've got our uh, Accelerated Leader course that's online. Uh, We've also got the uh, webinar that we did. We're getting ready to release it online. Yep. Uh, Got a lot of stuff going on Generations Workshop. We'll be releasing a generations workshop as well in the next few weeks, um, along with the virtual uh, class that we did, Becoming the Best Leader You Can Be. And it's a very well-timed with the release of the book. So it's a good thing. Yeah. And, 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 you know, um, we're, and we're internally looking at how do we get better and how do we uh, move forward? You know, we have Andrew, uh, Andrew Crisp, who does the podcast and, and does all the editing for us. And we have Morgan, his wife, who is a marketing major at University of South Carolina. And she's been putting some of that to use. And we got an intern now, uh, Maddie Lewis, who is kind of helping us move this forward. And that's we're right. just all trying to get, you know, one of the things we're learning is, and that's certainly 
in any small business or any business that you do, you know, you have to tweak it. You have to make sure everybody's on the same page. You have to make sure that we're firing on all cylinders. And during this COVID thing, man, we've really been tested with uh, switching schedules and moving this schedule around and doing classes with masks, without masks. Do we do this? And next week, I'm going to be in Atlanta, Georgia, at the DeKalb County Sheriff's Office. I'm going to be doing a master presenter course there next week. And, and I will say one, this about the master presenter. That course is an absolute, without question, total life changer. I encourage Amen. all of you. Absolutely. If you, yeah, if you're going to look at the schedule, look at that. And uh, what that's really a master presenter, master leader course. Yes. Where we really go into the depth knowledge, uh, in deep knowledge of you as a leader, and how do we, how do you put that into practice to get your ideas across and your communication? And how do I become a better presenter? And and one thing I've all, always known about uh, making presentations is it's not the ones where you got a slideshow. It's not the ones where you're trying to follow this uh, guideline, you know, or whatever you're doing in terms of training. It's the ones with day-to-day -day communication with people and in meetings and focus and trying to talk to other people about leadership and your communication where it really matters. And so in this course, what we really do is dive deep into how to become a better presenter of your ideas. How do you become someone who uh, is an advocate, I guess, for your own position? A lot of us, we advocate our positions, but we're not good advocates of our position. So, you know, uh, I always say this about um, promotions. Uh, if you're going to get promoted, you got to give somebody a reason to promote you. And so with that being said, I hope you uh, check that out. Look at our schedule. We've got a lot of stuff going on. We've had some new redesign of our podcast, uh, not podcast, but our website. And I really appreciate all the work that you were doing, Kelly, and you and Morgan and Drew are, and Maddie are really taking us to another level. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Dean. Um, yes, we do have some seats left. We know we have a lot of listeners in the Atlanta area. So reach out to me, get on our website and uh, we deliberately limit that class um, because well, it may be too late for them because they, it could be by the time yeah. this releases. Yeah, but we do have future other master presenter classes on the schedule and you can see that right now. But I think um, just segueing to the book, Dean, that really helps a lot because all of your content that you have created in the classroom over the last three years almost now since we've been at this, I believe has really informed how this book got organized, what you wanted to include in it that really helps people. And one of the topics that you really dive into and you start right away is, and you talk about this in your classes all the time, is the business of leadership. And so I, can you spend a couple of minutes telling our audience what you mean by the business of leadership? Well, you know, that, that does have a um, matter of fact, it was one of the kind of the primers, if you will, for me to rewriting the book was yes. when you look at the, the business of leadership, I, I do know that when you don't have an understanding of the business of leadership, it kind of hampers you or you're really not as effective, but you know, you're right. Uh, you know, I wrote the book, uh, I think it's four years ago now, and that book was a culmination of kind of my journey as a police chief, you know, and, and my journey as a leader from being at the age of 33, becoming a chief and not really knowing what I was doing. Uh, but thank goodness that I started journaling, writing down my experiences and started writing down stuff I wanted to learn and stuff that I was learning, which was became a primer later for me to write the book. But, you know, when I wrote that book originally, it was based on those lessons. Now, what makes this book much different 
But the stories, some of the stories are the same. You're going to read the same stuff you had in the other book. But there are key components that we've changed to chapters that make it better sense. You know, it's like you do, it's just not a compilation of stories. Now it's organized into kind of sections to make it easier for you to help yourself lead. And it's organized in three sections, which how to lead yourself, how to lead others, and then how to lead the organization, which I think is a kind of one of those things that just instantly makes the book better. And so I'm not trying to, I, I want to make it very clear. I'm not trying folks who may have bought the book initially called leadership lessons from the thin blue line. Uh, don't pick up this book and think that you're, you know, you're getting totally 1000% new uh, content. What you are getting is me taking that content, going deeper into some of it, rewriting some of it that because I understand it better now, and then adding stories to that book, like the business of leadership, you know, and so I want people to, to, you know, be, to be very clear and full disclosure. Uh, this is not where we've just rewrote all the material. We've made this book 10 times better. better. Yes. Yes. I was going to, and that's what I was going to say too, is I think what makes this book better and actually more usable is it becomes almost a reference manual that is a great companion to any of your live classes that you teach. One of the things that let's dive into the first section and have you spend a few minutes talking about what it means and why leading yourself is really the foundation of quality leadership and being an intentional leader. Well, and, and I really do want to do that in, in just a minute, but let me say something before I am able to do to dive into that, because I think that's more of a, of a deeper dive for us. But sure. we changed publishers on this book. And the one thing that we found, we're, we're going with Torch, uh, Torch Flame. Torch Flame. Mm-hmm. Torch Flame light, Publisher. Light Messages. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. Light House Messages out of Raleigh, North Carolina. And the, the one thing that we I found with this new publisher was when I approached them about rewriting the book, they took a look at it and said, we can make this book so much stronger. We can help you add material. We, we can help you organize this or put this together with your ideas of what you're trying to do with this book and make it a much better book. And so the original first book was kind of like this, all right, I want to get this book done thing. You know, I want to make sure that I write a book. Here's my lessons. I won't put them out. And man, I had a great, um, I mean, the, the, the support for that book and the number of people who bought that book was tremendous. I mean, I really do thank people who trusted me enough to go out there and bought the book and hope you've read it and it's helped you. But when I looked at that book, I was like, you know what? I can make this so much better. The tendency is, is for people, once they write a book, they don't want to rewrite a book. But I felt like, man, there was just so much material in there. Let me make it better so that now once I write it, it stands alone much better on its own. Hey, Straight Talk on Leadership listeners. Dean is very excited to be releasing his new book, Essential Leadership Lessons from the Thin Blue Line, on January 26th. Dean has spent decades on leading people and facing daily challenges as a police chief. He shares those hard-won lessons in this book. You have an opportunity right now to pre-order the book from your favorite book retailer. All buy links are on our website homepage. And so I'll segue into that by saying that 
you asked me about the business of leadership and kind of like, yeah. how did I come up with that? Well, you know, I was playing professional baseball back when I was young. I signed right out of high school, 17, didn't even got to the 18th birthday yet. And uh, so I signed a professional contract with the Minnesota Twins, went to spring training, dumb, not mature, <laughs> not real. I was a pretty talented baseball player, but I, I didn't have, I, I guess the, what I say is that one of the reasons I never progressed uh, that far in minor league baseball was that I didn't understand the business of baseball. Right. And the business of baseball means you have to understand you have to work out, you have to eat right, you have to take care of yourself. You have to put in the work that's required, plus have a little luck, plus have some this, have some that. There's a business of being a major league baseball player. Any person who ever becomes a major league baseball player will damn sure understand the business of baseball unless they are in the top 1% talent-wise to where their talent far outweighs the understanding of the business. Everybody in the minor league system, and I'm not trying to get into a you know, major league versus minor league baseball system thing here. But everybody in the minor leagues trying to figure out the business of the major leagues. And they're trying to figure out what's that one thing or that couple of things that moved me ahead of the competition. Well, when I was thinking about that, I thought, good God, that's exactly like leadership. A lot of us do not understand the business of leadership. And the business of leadership takes into a number of factors like relationships with people. It takes in the factor of getting your organization on the right track. It takes in the play of getting the right people in the right seats. It's just like running a major league baseball club. It's like, how do I get all those pieces and put them together? And how do I play the right hand and do all that? So, and it's just like promotions. A lot of people don't get promoted because they don't understand the business of leadership. And it's not that the business of leadership is a bad thing, but it's like, one of the things that is absolutely a part of business and leadership is politics. And yes. everybody hates that. Everybody hates politics. Everybody says, if you ask them one thing, if you could remove one thing from your job during the day or one thing from your headache, you'd say politics. And politics is who knows who, who's looking out for who, who's moved here. I mean, it's, you know what it is. I don't need to explain it. It's crazy. Well, we'll uh, probably politics. dive into that a little bit when we talk about leading the organization. So. Right, and we can talk about that. But, <laughs> yeah. but what happens is, is people don't understand that if you're going to understand the business of it, you got to understand that. Right. And they have a distaste for it. So, you know, when I wrote this book, rewrote this book, that was the one thing I wanted to mention was, if you're going to be any type of leader at all, you got to understand the business of leadership. And whether you believe it or not as a leader, you're actually in the business of leadership and I would ask anybody this, if you're in the business leadership, are you broke or are you rich? Because right. if you're if you're wealthy and you're rich in leadership, then you're probably doing a pretty good job. If you're broke, you're just coming to work doing the same things every day, expecting different results. So that's the business of leadership is really understanding the intricate pieces of leadership and putting them all together. And in this book, I rewrote, I wrote that chapter and added to it about how you understand the business of, of leadership. Absolutely. No, I think it's a really good uh, overall theme for the book and it's kind of sets the tone 
Um, but again, you know, I think starting to dive into the, this book is organized into three different sections, um, leading yourself, leading others, leading the organization. And that we've got a nice little graphic in that business of leadership section showing how that overlaps and you're kind of in the center of it, um, as a leader. And so when you lead yourself, you always talk in your classes and you, you, you talk a lot with, um, whenever you're coaching people or mentoring people about that leadership really starts with you. And I want you to spend a couple of minutes, maybe pulling a couple of the chapters that are in that section that speak to you, um, just in terms of what that means and why that's so important in terms of setting the right course in your business of leadership, if you will. Well, I mean, leading yourself, and let's, let's describe that um, graphic that you just talked about there for a second. So imagine three circles, you know, leading yourself, leading others, leading the organization and interconnect them all. Well, in that middle section where all those three connect is what I call the sweet spot. So you, you as a leader, you, you have to really begin to understand that, you know, what am I doing every day? Well, you're seeking the, the sweet spot of leadership where you're working on behalf of yourself to make yourself better absolutely in the other half of making your uh, others better and then making your organization. Now, if you're following us on the YouTube channel, you can see this graphic. Kelly has put it up there and has shared it with us where you're kind of looking at that point of where you create this synergistic mindset of, of and, and that's the whole key of leading anybody or leading organization is finding this synergistic point where people are so motivated that they're motivated you know, they're, they're, they're involved in a cause that's bigger than themselves, you know, Very good way to put it. Yeah. And, and, and when you're in a cause that's bigger than yourself, you're going to work your tail off, you know? So in that section on leading yourself, I have things in there like leadership's a lifestyle. Um, and a lot of people, <laughs> well, one of the biggest, one of the biggest ones that's in there that I think sets the tone for everything is you talk about, you have to decide what kind of leader you are and where is your mindset. And yeah, well, I'm, I'm going there next. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, the way we organize the chapters is you, you know, leadership has to be a lifestyle. And this is one thing that leaders um, can never do. And I, and I know when they hear me say this out there, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, I don't do that or not but honest to god leaders can never count hours no the second that leaders start counting hours they're done like yeah because it impacts your mindset too much. That, well well i put 50 hours this week i put 60 i put 40 i put 30 you know yeah. you, you can't ever count the hours because you know leadership's not an hourly waged job you know even though some people might be getting an hourly wage the second they equate hourly equivalents to leadership, they're not going to be a very effective leader because right. leadership has to become a lifestyle, meaning you got to live it, breathe it, eat it. You know, it's like every day it's on your mind. When you go home, you can't cut it off. When you go to bed, you know, one thing I said is that leadership, if you're really going to look at leadership, it, it ought to keep you up at night and it ought to wake you up first thing in the morning. Absolutely. And, well, a lot of people don't know what I mean by that. I, I don't, no, they don't mean, well, I don't mean that leadership should keep you up because you're not good at it or you're not doing the right things or things are this or things of that. What I mean is it should keep you up at night because you're thinking about the creative synergistic things that you can accomplish as a leader. 
see, that's a total different mindset. Most people are, right. are kept up at night because they, they hate tomorrow and they, they're not really satisfied with what they're going to do, but it should keep you up at night because you could, you should think about all the positive things you're going to accomplish and you should be keeping score and stuff like that. And when I say what should wake you up in the morning means that when you wake up in the morning, first thing you say, you, you know, you wake up, you shouldn't be saying, damn, you should say, man, I, I've got a great day ahead. And how am I going to make people get them on the same page? You or know, maybe say that, instead of damn, hot damn, you know, I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. And that's right. And and you know, when you take about leadership in a lifestyle, people don't understand that. They think, well, if you ever equate leadership to hours spent, you're done. So then the next, you know, we we talk about what you had mentioned before about the uh, leadership in terms of the uh, the type of leader type they want to be. That you are. And, yeah. Right. The, the type of leader you are. I, I really think that there's three types of leaders. There's a survivalist leader. There's a uh, successful leader and there's a significant leader. And the, the difference in that is that the survival leader is always talking about I all day long, me, how does it affect me? How am I going to make my life better? What's going to do, you know, how's it going to protect me? How's it going to make me look better? That's kind of survival where significant people look at others and they have a tendency to look at the bigger organizational picture and the bigger picture of the people they're leading. So that means right. you have this overall bigger. And one of the things I want to make sure everybody, and just to kind of make it where it, you can determine what type of leader you are by, you know, taking a, answering a, a few questions. I'm, I'm not going to go into all those questions because, you know, read the book and you can see something. But, <laughs> That's right. But, the, the one thing I, I want to make you understand about a survivalist leader is they come to work with a scarcity mindset. And people who have a survivalist mindset tend to see things just in, there's just so much to go around, right? And significant, and significant people tend to have an abundance mindset, which means that they tend to find a way. There tends to never be enough, you know, they're, they're always going to find a way to satisfy their people and fix that. So anyway, that, I mean, that's kind Would of Would you say how, that that's a good way to describe, or another way to describe that might be people that view things glass half empty, half full, you well, know? Well, no, uh, no, because I'm no. not, I'm not a real glass empty, glass full. I, I'm, I mean, half empty or half full. Hell, I'm always trying to figure out how to fill it up. <laughs> okay. I understand. That's an abundance mindset, you know, like, Instead of looking at the glass, say, well, is it half empty or half full? Hell, I look at it and say, why ain't it all the way full? You know, that's an abundance mindset. So like that. And then, you know, we talk about mindset. We talk about willing to pay the price. I mean, all those things as a leader, when you look at yourself, you really have to be willing to do those things. And so that's the premise in which I wrote, you know, that section. And I talked about, man, as a leader, you really have to focus on, yourself you know that that's the one thing a lot of people do a lot of leaders make mistakes because they don't take self-reflective looks and at themselves and they have a tendency to just look at others like when something happens and goes wrong they're pointing fingers right they're right. not really just uh saying well it's my fault let me take you know let me take a look at that myself so they're they're looking at it like that from that standpoint so one well, one of the things that I think does tie into all this is you talk a lot about how how important it is to set your personal GPS. 
Can you spend just a couple of minutes talking about that? Because I know it was in the first book, but the way that you have woven that into the live classes is awesome. And I think it, it's worthy of, of mentioning. Well, you know, the, the GPS moment is, is certainly, it's just like, um, it's just like your phone. Uh, none of us are going to be able to get where we're trying to get to in, until we first know where we are. So in that chapter, I talk about you really have to know where you are as a leader. You, you have to know your skill sets. You have to know your limits. You have to know what you're uh, successful at. You have to know what you're trying to get better at. Uh, you have to know what your improvements you need to make. And one of the things a lot of people do is they don't ever really, they're not ever really honest with themselves. So in that GPS moment, you know, I talk about you really have to determine as a leader. Uh, most leaders try to determine where they're going before they ever determine where they're at. You know, Max Dupree said that, and he's a futurist, he said that num the number one job of most leaders is to define your uh, reality, define mm -hmm. your current reality of like mm -hmm. where you are right now. And when you're able to define your current reality, then without question, you know where you are. So it's like you and I, we've been having discussions about the business and, you know, how do we get to that next level and how do we impact more people and, you know, how do we do all those things? But first you have to take a very reflective look and say, well, all right, where, where are we? Right. You know, and, and, and it's kind of like, I, I guess the, the, the way I would equate it would be one of the biggest lies. Gosh, and I hate to say this because I'm such an optimist, optimist and I really want people to reach their highest potential. But one of the biggest lies we ever tell our children is they can be anything they want to be. Yeah. That's not a true statement. Uh, but let me, let me preface that before y'all go crazy and start cutting the damn <laughs> volume off and start saying, you don't know my kid. And he they hates can, kids. I and hate <laughs> kids. Yeah. Before they do all that. That's, it's not anything about that. It, 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 what I say is I temper it by saying this, you can be anything you want to be within your skill set and your willingness to pay the price, which yes. means that's more of a realistic where you want to be like me. There is nothing more in my life than I would like to be. I, I'm being s solid, honest as I can be right now. But if you could, if, if you ask me, if you say, I want you to pick the one thing that you could be that, you know, you really could be. And what, what would you be? I said, I, I'd be a rock star. Like, like damn, um, you guitar, know, like air guitar, no, or not, not playing like, like a singer, like a lead singer, like a, a singer. Okay. Like, you know, like, like Steve star. Tyler or, yeah, or, or, or Glenn, one, I, I mean, Glenn Fry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like Glenn Fry, like them rock uh -huh, star uh -huh, gotcha. to have that creative musical talent to be yes. able to go out, put it together, inspire audiences, short, quick spurt, spend a lifetime doing that and live like that. Oh my God. That's what I want to be. But first of all, I can't sing. I got no musical talent and I'm tone deaf as hell. So, you know, my parents telling me you bring anything you want to be is not a true state. Right. I, I, I'm not, I, you know, I don't have anything within that, uh, you know, that ability. I don't have anything within that, you know, where we're at right there. So 
Go ahead. I well, no, what I was going to just follow up with that on that I think is so true because you told me this early on as well. And I think it's a very good thing, especially for our younger generations, whether they be millennials or whether they be the Gen Z, iGens. And that is, you talk about this a lot. And I, I bring it up from the standpoint of the chapter, all you have to be all in. And, and you talk about your encounter with Dabo Sweeney, who is the head coach for the Clemson Tigers. Even though you're a big USC Gamecock fan, you have a great deal of admiration for his ability to motivate people. And one of his pat phrases is, you got to bloom where you're planted. Right. And I think sometimes our younger generation, what you're kind of saying underneath this kind of, I think, alludes to that, that you know, if you're willing to pay the price and you have some degree of talent and you really work at blooming where you're planted, then you're probably going to move up the ladder of success. True. And, and you know, the one thing about um, bloom where you're planted used to mean a whole lot different today. Yeah. And for today's children, it means uh, it's going to be easy. Uh, blooming where you're planted is never easy. No. Blooming where you're planted is one of the most difficult sucky things ever especially if you're somewhere you don't like so that's where leaders have to constantly maneuver people around and switch responsibilities and do this and do that because if you don't like it it's hard as hell to bloom where you plant it thank you for listening to straight talk on leadership with dean crisp we hope you have enjoyed this episode be sure to like subscribe and share this podcast with others If you haven't done so, please take a moment to sign up for weekly notifications of new episodes at our website, www.lhln.org. There you can also look up our upcoming live class schedule, check out our e-courses, buy Dean's book, and request to become a member of LHLN, our online community of professionals dedicated to helping you put your leadership into action every day. Until the next episode, keep the growth going and remember to always strive to have a plus one day.